This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello. And welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take on your etiquette questions on how you can ask to be paid for a season ticket you offer to someone, whether or not to respond to sales emails, how to balance time with the bride and friends during a wedding week trip, how to handle reactions from coworkers when you announce that you're leaving your job, plus your feedback etiquette salute and a postscript segment from Bill Post on traveling with other people. All of that coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be produced in Burlington, Vermont, by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Bill Post, sitting in for Dan Post-Sennin. It is so nice to have you back again. Nice Your to brother be here. expressed his extreme jealousy at how many times you've done the show and then he did the show just once. Well, he can step up to the plate anytime he wants. He absolutely He's got to quit going to Italy, you I know? know? I know. He's... <laughs> Thank you so much for coming back while our, our schedules are still a little chaotic. Well, you're welcome. And I, as you know, from all the times I've been here, I really enjoy it. And you can ask me anytime. Well, it is fantastic to have you back. And I um, I actually, I had something fun happen this weekend. I went to dinner parties this weekend. I never go to dinner parties. You did? Yeah. Great. Good, <laughs> good for you. Thanks. I love it. Good for you, kid. Way to go. Congratulations. Got to get out there, Lizzie. You got to get out there. <laughs> no, it's true. These were some golf friends of mine. It was actually kind of to help me get just some business ideas going, which was really fun. I love a good brainstorm with fresh minds and everything. And what was really cool about this to me was that I felt like I was watching proper dinner party uh, things happen. Like, you know, it was like the real deal. My friends and I entertain, and it's absolutely real deal entertaining. But when I go and hang out with kind of the generation above me, I feel like I get just a reminder of all the dinner parties my parents went to when I was little and kind of the way I saw my grandparents entertain. For instance, when we were getting the idea for the dinner party going, the couple that would be hosting, they said, well, we'd really want this couple to be here, like the Goldsmiths to be here. It's our turn to host them. So that works because otherwise we'd be asking them if we could bring you to their house and that wouldn't work. And I just love the bouncing back and forth of the etiquettes and who's going to bring what and oh, Lizzie eats fish but not meat. Okay, we'll do shrimp and swordfish because the other gentleman coming doesn't eat swordfish but will eat shrimp. And you just watch people kind of suss it all out, you know? That kind of stuff can get complicated. Absolutely. It's good good that they were looking at it and trying to work it out. It was. And it was really fun, you know? It was, we, we, uh, gosh, dinner lasted about five hours, but it was a blast. Great. I loved it. And the next night I had one that was super casual. It was just, come over. This is, you know, just the family, like real relaxed. And so it was like really quite quite nice. 
I'm, I'm looking forward to my future of being older and having all these proper dinner parties. <laughs> well, good for you. The, the, one of the things about getting older is it's inevitable, so you might as well be looking forward to it. Is it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's going to happen no matter right. Exactly. Right? But when you and Maureen entertained, do you uh, reci- like? I was watching this couple talk about the reciprocation that needed to be happening. We do. We do. do you guys if, think about that? Absolutely. If it's a larger party, we don't worry about it. If it's friends that we see all the time, we might go to their house three times in a row and not worry about it, and then oh, okay. come back to our house. But if we're having a real more formal dinner party, and sometimes with people coming in who don't know other people there, we think about that a lot. Yes. Did you know that cocktail parties are actually one of the ways that you can reciprocate all of your smaller dinner party responsibilities? That Mud said that you, that Mud, my, my Billy's mother, my grandmother, said that a cocktail party is actually the kind of party where, so if you've been to, you know, uh, the Joneses and the, the Kevas and the, the Mukherjee's and the so and so's, and you've got a host, but you can't, you don't have enough time to do all of them, you can just host a cocktail party and invite everyone, and that counts as a reciprocal invitation. I did know that, and I, I, I watched my mother do it on many occasions. <laughs> I bet. Ever practical, Mud was. Ever practical. You don't see many cocktail parties anymore, by the way, except uh, during the holiday season. That's very true. Why do you think that is? Just lifestyle changes. I don't know that there's any particular reason for it. But yeah. You see cocktail hours, but you're right. You don't see just a drinks party. Right. Not very often anymore. Well, awesome etiquette audience. I think we probably want to bring that back into fashion. Let's start hosting some cocktail parties. Interesting thought. Interesting thought, right? Right. Yeah. All right. Well, Well, anyway, you had a good weekend. I had a good weekend. That's great. You had a good weekend? Absolutely. All right. Let's skip our good weekends and get to some questions. Awesome etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, Mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. 
Awesome Etiquette is all about answering your questions on how to behave. If you have a question, you can email it to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Leave us a voicemail at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or hit us up on Twitter and Facebook. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette so we know you want your question on the show. Our first question is titled, To Treat or Not to Treat? We have season tickets to our local soccer team. Since I'm not always able to go with my husband, he likes to extend an invite to friends, neighbors, or colleagues to join him. What is the best way to ask them to pay for the ticket, which is $40? When he invites them, I think people often assume that they don't have to pay. Thanks for your help, Lindsay. That's a great question, Lindsay. It happens all the time. As it happens, my brother Peter and I... Um, each each have two tickets to the UVM hockey games every year. You have two year. sets. Yeah, we, yeah each he, has, two. he has two now tickets I and I have yeah. two. And we're not always able to use them. We're out of town or whatever. And we offer them to other people all the time. And my thoughts on this are that the way to clear up the answer to Lindsay is to make sure that you communicate to the person you're giving the tickets to what you want. Yeah. And you don't do it by saying – Oh, you have to pay. You do it. There, there are ways <laughs> that you can. Sound very friendly, it, would it? No. Exactly. You can use language in a more in a softer way. You want to make it clear if you're treating the guest or if you're offering the chance to uh, to buy your ticket. So you might say, "Hi, Kyla. If you'd like tickets to next week's hockey game, I'd be glad to give you mine." Well, that's clear that you're going to be clear. Giving. And yeah. you might even add, "No cost to you. We just can't use them. We'd love it if you could take them." I know you guys do that all the yeah, time. More often than not, it's usually because we give our tickets to either our children or to close friends. I am often the yes. recipient of yes. these yes. tickets. <laughs> but if you're giving the tickets to somebody who's not as close, and you really think that they really should pay for it, you say something like, um, "Hi, Jake. I'd be happy to sell you my other ticket for the game on Friday. I can't use both of them." Or, "Jake, my wife can't make it to Friday's game. The ticket's forty dollars." So if you'd like to join me, let me know. That's a nice way to do it. And there's nothing wrong etiquette-wise to asking to be paid in that kind of a way. I would not feel at all awkward if – just exactly how you said that with the tone that you said that. I would feel like I understood what was going on. I wouldn't feel badly that you were asking me to pay for the ticket in, in right. either of those circumstances. A very gentle, very – Light but still clear. Right. right. And actually, another situation sometimes comes up. As it happens, my sister Cindy, who has been on this show before, also goes to these hockey games. And she sometimes has friends who are looking for a ticket. And she'll call me and say, uh, Bill, my friend uh, uh, Susan needs a ticket to the game or would like to come to the game. Do you have one available? She'd love to buy it from you. And Cindy makes it clear that she's willing to pay. And in that situation, I would I would expect to be paid. Yeah. And because you don't know the person if, the ticket's exactly. going to. Exactly. Yeah. And if Cindy didn't say she'd like to buy it for you, I'd say that's fine. But I think she probably ought to pay for the ticket. Yeah. And Cindy would say, fine, of course. And then so, use similar language when it, she communicates it, it, exactly. to the friend. Yeah. Exactly. But in either case, you don't want to be judging the person for either not offering to pay when you didn't make it clear. Right. That's one reason you right. want to make it clear. <laughs> or for not wanting to pay. Right. And the person shouldn't be judging you for asking to be paid for the ticket. Absolutely. So the answer to the question is make it clear to the person to whom you are giving the ticket mm -hmm. whether or not you want that person to pay for the ticket and just do it in a kind of a kind way. Oh, it makes sense to me. And go team. Our next question is titled Form Email Frustration. And it reads as follows. Hello, Dan and Lizzie. Thank you for your podcast and for trying to make our world a better place through kindness. I run a small nonprofit and get dozens of emails every day. I go through my junk email box a few times a day to make sure nothing important has been put in there by mistake, and while doing so, I just skim through to see what needs my attention. I had a very interesting email come through that caught my eye. 
It was from a salesperson with whom I have no relationship who wrote that I was rude for not responding to his email request for a meeting. He said he had sent numerous emails and that I could at least have had the courtesy to tell him I was not interested. This really was a surprise to me since I did not solicit anything from him and do not need his services. Was I being rude? If I respond to everyone who goes into my junk mailbox, that's all I would do all day, not to mention the safety of clicking on emails of people I don't know. Was this just a frustrated salesman or was I rude? Thanks for your help. And it's signed, too many emails. (laughs) What are your thoughts, Lizzie? Oh, my goodness. I think the first thing that we need to point out about this question is that calling someone else out on their etiquette rarely ever looks polite. That, that what this salesperson did was really rude, especially given that there was absolutely no relationship. That, that's clearly the rude thing that happened in this. Absolutely. One hundred percent. No, listener, you were not rude in doing what you did. Um, but I do think that there, there comes a question about responding. To, are we obligated to respond to every email, every phone call that comes in our way? And I would say that maybe Mud might have said yes in the day and age where you had very limited communications through these. Um, well, obviously no, she didn't have email. There was no email. But through mail and through phone calls, you just had a, a much smaller volume coming in. Nowadays, I think it would be an extreme burden if we were telling people that they had to respond to every single piece of junk mail that they received. So I, I think agree. not responding to junk mail is okay. I do receive quite a lot of, um, we would love to put content on your website, or we could really help you with translation services, or something like that. And when someone's offering a service that I think that we we might entertain using, but we aren't in the market for it right now. I always try to write back and say, thank you for reaching out. However, we do not need these services at this time. If we do in the future, I'll keep your company in mind. Please take me off your mailing list. And I save that piece. Yeah, I save that piece of language on a little text file or a word file um, on my desktop. And then at the end of the day, I go through those types of emails and I just fire that off to whomever had written to me that day. And I think that that's way to handle that so that you you are responding to some of the ones that, that might actually be of use to you in the future and you don't want to burn bridges. But you're not dealing with all the ones that really are just form letters, junk mail, that you have no need for the service, no need for the communication. You can always reply to this gentleman, I'm so sorry you were in my spam filter. We do not need your services, but thank you for reaching out. And then let it go. You can always reply to rudeness with politeness. Absolutely. And what one thing you said about... Um uh, responding to ones uh, that you may want to file later for yeah. uh, for use. That's not just good etiquette. It's good business. It's good business to have a file of people who have services who might be useful to you in the future. I think the bottom line is that you're not being rude by not responding to these types of right. spam emails. It's simple as that. And if somebody is rude to you about not responding to them, <laughs> I think Lizzie's point about maybe writing back and saying, sorry, you are upset. We don't have any use for your services. It was in spam. I didn't catch it or whatever. Yeah. But but I do think that if you get what is essentially a spam email, email but was sent by somebody who you know through some business connection or whatever, right. it would be ready to respond whether you want the service or not. Oh, absolutely. Just, just, just to acknowledge that you'd received it. Absolutely. When it's that kind of second or third connection, but still a legit connection, right. it is good to go through the spam filters for those things. Too many emails. We hope that that helps, and we hope that that gives you a plan of attack for the future. But by no means were you being rude. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Our next question begins, bride versus friends. Hi, Emily and Dan. I've started listening to your podcast and I'm so glad I found it. Learning how to be more mindful of others is such an interesting and useful skill. Thank you for your teachings. My question is this. I recently moved from Arkansas to Connecticut and after moving, I was asked to be a bridesmaid in an Arkansas friend's wedding this July. I am so thrilled to be part of her special day and I've done my best to be part of her planning remotely to be helpful. I plan to be in town for five days before her wedding so that I can help the bride with any last-minute things and be part of the festivities. The bride graciously offered me to stay in her home, which is a huge help for me. It will also be my first trip back to Arkansas in a year when I visit, so I'd like to see other friends and former colleagues while I'm in town. How can I best manage my time and help the bride but also catch up with friends, or should I dedicate the entire week to spending time with the bride? How about friends that I know I can't make time to see? Should I let them know I'll be in town but will be too busy to meet up? I likely won't have another opportunity to visit for another year, so I want to be sensitive to the bride but also make the most of my trip. I'm worried that it could make her feel awkward if I'm in and out of her home, seeing other friends. I certainly don't want to make her feel like I'm treating her place as a hotel. If this helps, I will be in town three days before the wedding and leaving the day after the wedding. Thank you so much for your advice. Sincerely, Bridesmaid from Afar. Billy, what do you think about this? I think that Bridesmaid from Afar has written an excellent question. Right? Thoughtful, detailed. She's really given a lot of uh, consideration to how to behave properly in the situation. And the truth of the matter is you can behave properly in the situation, but you have choices. That's true. And there's so many of them, and it's really going to engender some discussion. So, Lizzie, please, please. <laughs> Please pop in here okay. um, anytime you like because I try to run through sort of the rationales yeah, and the let's, things we're considering. Yeah, tell me what you're thinking. What would you th- Let's say that your daughter had this problem. What well, would you say to her? Th- there's basically two ways with some nuances to handle it. One is to uh, decide that you're going to uh, commit this week to the wedding and not worry all the time about seeing your other friends. Yeah. And just say, look, I'm going for this person's wedding and I'm not even going to raise the issue because I don't want it to be an elephant in the room. Yeah. So um, I will let my other friends know that I'm coming to town, but I won't be able to see them this time yep. because I'm going to be committed to this wedding. Or you can approach the bride and say, look, I'm coming for five days. I'm coming three days in advance. I want to be there for you in every po- – especially – remember, she's living in this woman's house. I know. That's, so I that's like be, a that, that's extra a, added that's, point. Now, if she were to stay in a hotel, I don't think it would be a question. She, right. But I want to be there for you at every step of the way that you need me to. But if there should happen to be some free time, would you be upset – 
if I spent a couple of hours visiting some friends that I knew when I lived here. It's your choice. In this case, it's the writer's choice based on her relationship with the bride. We assume it's close since she's going to be a bridesmaid as to which of those approaches she should take. But the key for me is to not arrive – Without having discussed it with her. And this writer would not do that. She's clearly very sensitive. But to not arrive at the house and say, okay, I got about four or five hours. I got to be out of here. I'll be with you the rest of the time. She should not be putting ultimatums on the bride as to how her time is going to be used. She should try to clear it with the bride in advance and try to work it out um, in a way that makes neither one of them feel uncomfortable. Absolutely. This is the type of question that for me comes down to, are you the type of person who uh, our, our bridesmaid here, is she the type of person who is comfortable saying, this week is your week, bride. I am staying at your house. Therefore, I'm going to let you really run the show and kind of dictate the trip. Or are you the type of person who really doesn't want that type of feeling? And I think because she's staying at the house, I think you're kind of in the avenue of needing I agree with you. to ask the bride and not you. play the role instead of, I'm coming and this is how I'd like to handle it, which is an appropriate role in some circumstances. But I don't think this is that particular circumstance. I think it's the bride's day, but you are coming for the bridal week. <laughs> and therefore, I think it is important because you're staying with the bride, just as you said, Uncle Bill, to ask the bride what she would like in this scenario. Because if she is expecting you to be very helpful, if she's really going to be leaning on you during those three days before the wedding and is expecting to do so, um, A, that's a conversation she should be having with you. But B, it's really important to honor that because you have committed to her event first and foremost. Absolutely. And I, I think that in this case, that's likely to be the case. I think so, That's too. why she invited her friend to stay in the house. I think so. She wants her to be around as a support. And so I think the friend should approach it that way. But I do think it would be appropriate for the friend to ask and yeah. see if it, it would be possible for her to see some of her friends. Yeah. And, and but not to be upset if the bride says, no, you know, I really, I really, I really do could that. use yeah, you here. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I do think that it's an easy ask. It's, you know, Kelly, while we're in town, I'd love to know the schedule because if there's any room for me to squeak out and have a coffee with Anne or Jake or whoever it is that she's friends with, you could ask it very lightly. It's not, it doesn't have to be a, well, I'm coming back and it's my only chance. Don't make it fraught. Keep everything very light and easy and you can make this happen. And as you said, you'll be able to return a a year later, hopefully. We communicate electronically so much nowadays, you could reach out, have a nice phone conversation. But she asked another question in here that I think goes to larger, let's eliminate the wedding part of it. When you're coming into town and you're staying with one friend and you have many other friends in town, I think it's appropriate to let people know you're coming into town and then whether you will or will not have time to get together. But with Facebook and with Instagram and Twitter and all these places that people post their daily activities to, it'd be very easy for a friend who lives in Arkansas to see that you're in town and be hurt that you didn't reach out and let them know. That is one of the real dangers of social media. Right? First of all, if you like these friends and they've been your friends for a long time, the etiquette is to say you're coming to town and to hope you can get together with yeah. them. But if you should happen to miss somebody or don't and it comes up on Facebook, that presents an embarrassing situation. So yeah. that's a that's just that's just one of the, the dangers of social media that we live with these days. Yeah. Period. And so but, but you're right. Let the friends know. Let the friends know. Let the friends know that you're coming. You just might not have time to hang out. 
And I think it's going to be a great week no matter what. My hope is that the bride is going to grant you some time with your other friends. But I do think it's, as Billy said, it's important to make that ask first since you are coming for a trip for this wedding and to support the bride. I agree. First, of course, know your work. Enjoy it. But also enjoy the people you're working with. Be considerate of them and be considerate of your employer. On to the next question. Yes. Which is called Politely Exiting Stage Left. Hello, Lizzie and Dan. First of all, thank you so much for putting out the podcast every week. It's one of my favorite podcasts, and I'm always excited to see it appear in my feed Monday morning. As someone who is naturally a little introverted, you've really helped me navigate social situations I would have found difficult in both my personal and professional life. And it's actually because of something that just happened in my professional life that I'm writing. Not too long ago, I was contacted on LinkedIn by a recruiter about a really great company that I would love to work for. Even though I wasn't looking to change jobs at the time, I didn't want to pass up the opportunity and I started talking to the recruiter. I moved through the interview process quickly and before I knew it, they had made me an offer and I accepted. Telling my colleagues was hard because I've really loved working with them all and while their responses have been largely positive, I've also had a few reactions that were... Well, puzzling. I had more than one person literally say, ouch, upon receiving the news, and another co-worker say, I'm sorry you're leaving, in a disappointed voice, and was even told by my boss that he wished I had told him this was coming before I made the announcement. The last one was particularly weird because I feel like telling your current employer that you're considering leaving puts you in an awkward position if you end up staying. I have been doing my best to take these reactions in stride. The news has been legitimately surprising to a lot of people, and I'm sure some people are upset that someone they enjoy working with is leaving. These are feelings I'm experiencing too. But there's also a part of me that feels diminished by these reactions, and it makes me feel like I have to downplay how excited I am by this new job. What is the best way to deal with a situation like this? I don't want to seem rude by demanding congratulations or telling people they should be happy for me. Best mixed emotions. No kidding. What are your thoughts, Liz? I got a couple, but one that that I actually hadn't put in our show notes was that there's a there's a quote that I have up at my desk that says something like seek the fulfillment of your desires or your wishes or something like that from a source that can actually fulfill them. And very good. Of, I like of, that. Part of me was sitting here thinking I understand wanting to have happy reactions from coworkers, and I do think it would be polite for the coworkers to be doing that when they find out that this person is moving on to something they're excited about. But they had no clue this was coming. You know, they love working with you. They're going to be disappointed. I work at a small company. If we lose one of the team members, it's a big loss yes. to us. It's a really big loss, yes. and you feel it heavily. And it, I, I'm wondering if this just isn't the right thing to be expecting from these folks, a happy reaction. I mean, you want them to be happy, but but I think I think you have to play the, the upper etiquette card here and just politely respond to the ouches and the I'm disappointed or I'm sad by saying, I'm sad, too. I'm really going to miss you guys, but I'm, I'm excited for the new opportunity. These people are probably very happy for you. They probably but, are, but yeah. it's hard for their initial reaction not to be sadness or a little bit of surprise because they are so sorry you're leaving. They're so, human. So see it, <laughs> see it as a as a positive, not a negative. Yeah. What do you think about the boss thing? I think that the boss's reaction was, if it is what I think it was, yeah, which was he, he said, "Gee, I wish you'd have told me before you'd told everybody else." Yeah. He didn't say, "I wish you'd told me that you were looking for a job." Right. And I think he was 
a little bit hurt that you didn't give him an opportunity to know about it before all of the other people knew. Yeah. That's my guess. That's what I read from it, too, that it wasn't about preventing you or maybe not even trying to find a counteroffer or anything. It was just you tell your boss first and then you make the announcement to the other employees, right? Right. right. And I don't think it's important from an etiquette point of view to tell your boss, no matter how good the relationship, that you're looking for another job. But if I was doing it, I think the proper etiquette would be go to the boss first Tell him or her that you've accepted another offer. I agree with you. And I think that, um, first of all, wait, there's something we've missed in this whole answer, which is congratulations on being recruited by a company you've loved and wanted to work for. And now you're going to. Exactly what I was going to say. And good luck to you. Yes. Mixed emotions. I think that just help other people process their own emotions. They're not quite as far down the line of accepting this as you are. And so just say, I'm really going to miss you too. And I've loved working together. If I can ever be of help in the future, let me know. That's really the perfect way to leave a company. Perfect. Good luck, mixed emotions. And just great good luck at that new job. What's next, Liz? We're finished with our questions, Uncle yeah. Bill. It's time yeah, for some feedback. Yeah. But first, thank you for your questions. Please, please, please send us updates and comments to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. I love that that rhymes. Or you can hit us up on Twitter and Facebook. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette so we know you want your question on the show. Thanks, Liz. Each week, we like to hear your thoughts about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. Why don't you take the first one? You think so? Okay. Kate wrote in via Facebook in regards to episode 136, where Dan and I answered a question about a group traveling together, and they were stranded at an airport uh, hanging out in the Alaska Airlines club room or member room. As an attendant had overheard that it was one of the group members' birthday, uh, the attendant went and got cupcakes to give to the group, which I thought was really nice. As it turned out, everybody in the group was gluten-free and couldn't eat the cupcakes. So Dan and I had said that it was important to be really grateful about the offer, but then to be honest and let the attendant who was bringing the cupcakes know, we can't actually eat them. If you would like to enjoy them or give them to someone else, please, by all means, do so. And thank you so much you know, for your generous offer. And then Kate had really a different idea, and I wanted to explore it for a minute because it was something we had thought of, and then we did settle on our own advice. She says, I'm listening to episode 136 about the gluten-free family and the thoughtful cupcakes. You advise to speak up and have the person offering the cupcakes give them to other patrons. I have to disagree. To me, it seems to not accept the gift offer and to request the giver to go beyond the gesture and find someone else, which seems rude. I would have accepted the cupcakes, thanked the giver, and given them out to others myself, saying, please share my birthday with me and enjoy a cupcake. Doing what you suggested asks the giver to keep working to find a recipient, which is not in the spirit of etiquette to me. Just wanted to share a different perspective. Thank you both. Cheerful receiver. I'm glad that Kate shared this perspective because we did play this scenario out a little bit. Like, should you just receive the cupcakes and not tell the person giving them that, oh, you have a gluten allergy and so you can't eat them and just throw them away? Now, I come from a perspective, I don't like throwing food away if I can avoid it. And I was worried that if you're giving them out to other people and the attendant who gave you the cupcakes sees that happening because you're in a club room, you're not kind of out in the big open airport, that, that that to me felt like it was disingenuous to the offer that had been made to you, the gift that had been given to you. What do you think? Well, I wasn't there, the discussion that you and Dan had, but right. when I read this, um, 
my reaction was exactly that. My reaction was, I'm not so sure about Kate's solution because I think if you turn around and then just give the cupcakes away without eating them, I think the person who gave them to you would be, if not insulted, at least a little bit injured. Like hurt a little. Um, Now, you could say to the person, gee, we really appreciate these cupcakes. Thanks so much. Do you mind if we redistribute them? Because oh, so you take on the redistribution, but yeah. you ask first. I and like so, that. And just say, we can't eat them because they're gluten-free, so we're, we're, we're going to give them out to other people. I hope that doesn't offend you. Yeah. That, that uh, seems to me, is the I way like I that idea. I had come up with the thought that letting the, the giver know, letting the attendant know, gives the attendant the choice to then either eat the cupcakes themselves or distribute them to other people or give them to the rest of the, the crew that helps out in that room. And I like that, too. Lizzie, I think that's a fine solution. I had said, though, because I didn't know, I didn't want to be taking, like, if she had gone out and purchased these cupcakes for this group, and you corrected me and said, no, 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 in club rooms, they just have, I've, I've never been to one of the club rooms in the airport. My uncle travels a little more than I do and has been to some of them. He said, often that food is free. So that takes a little more concern of just this person having done something nice and then sees you giving your their nicety away to someone else, a little less so just because if they are free or if they are on hand there. Yeah, that, not that, that's not clear to me yeah. about that because, as you say, there is free food yeah. in these airline club rooms. But why, would the, why, why would the person have even bothered to come and offer them if they could have just gone up and taken them off the shelf for free? Anyway? Well, that's a good point, too. The other thing that I would just slightly warn against, and maybe this is bad. I grew up in the era of you do not eat anything from a stranger. You do not eat unpackaged foods or foods that aren't, you know, packaged up and sealed. And I feel like it might be a little uncomfortable to be getting offered unpackaged food from a total stranger at the airport. I don't know. Is that too, am I going too far with that thought? I think in this situation, yes. I wouldn't be concerned about you it. You wouldn't be concerned about that. I don't okay. think this attendant in the club room is going to be handing out poison cupcakes. No, I don't think so either. But that, no, not the attendant. I mean, if you accept the cupcakes and then you, as the the the, the flyer, are go, you know, the the customer are going out to uh, around to other people sitting in the club room and saying, "Here, take this cupcake." They're not a part of the organization. I would feel more comfortable taking a cupcake I, I, I from mis- an attendant than from a stranger. I misinterpreted what Sorry. you said. And yes, yeah. if I was, if I were the person sitting at the other end of the room and somebody came up and offered me a cupcake, I might, I might be a little bit skeptical. You're yeah. absolutely right. Okay, about that. Yeah. but an attendant, I feel a little more confident because they're associated with the company yeah, sure. whose room I'm using and everything. I don't know, Kate. That I wanted you to hear us go through, and I know our question was originally answered with Dan, but his thoughts were very much in line with Uncle Bill's, and I wanted you to just kind of hear that we had actually very much so thought of that same perspective about receiving a gift, about being the one taking on the responsibility of redistributing that gift. And it was something we had considered and, and we wound up settling on a different perspective from you. Um, but either way, what I like is that everyone's trying to be considerate, even if it turns out just a little bit differently in the end. Right. And we, we certainly thank you for your input and for your thoughts because it made us think even further about the situation. Exactly. Well, our next piece of feedback comes from Kelly, who knows Notice something about my language in episode 139, where, Bill, you and I answered a question about a group hostess gift. And Kelly writes, Morning, Lizzie, Dan, and Bill. Thank you so much for the time and energy you put into creating the podcast. I've quite enjoyed listening over the last couple of months. I'm writing to express a concern I have in regards to your response to the hostess gift question in episode 139. All in all, the advice given was practical and kind. I did, however, run into a snag when Lizzie said, quote, 
Or if there's another girl in the group who happens to be more inclined that way, by all means, lean on her for it, end quote, around the 1430 mark on the show. From my perspective, any one of the seven guests attending the house party could be more inclined to coordinate the hostess gift, irrespective of their gender. I worry that casual, off-the-cuff comments like these can let men off the hook from having to consider some of the broader etiquette issues at hand when dealing with groups of mixed company, as it reinforces the idea that the women will take care of such things. End of quote. Thanks again for the wonderful podcast. Enjoy, Kelly. Now, Lizzie, since this is calling you out, <laughs> yes. I think you should answer the question. Thank you. Uh, this mistake is definitely on me, and it comes from assumption. You've heard Dan and I apologize for assumption um, every now and again in the past. And I completely assumed from the question that this was a gathering of all women. I so, was, so did I, by yeah, the way. Yeah, our writer was a woman and visiting her college friend, another woman who lived with her parents. However, nowhere in her question did our listeners state that the group of about seven was all women. I just assumed. And so I want to apologize for my assumption. I do agree with Kelly that it matters not whether men or women in a mixed group handle the task of organizing the group gift. Actually, one of the last big group gifts I was a part of was organized by a gentleman. And typically, we try very hard at the Emily Post Institute not to assume tasks or roles based on gender. So thank you, Kelly, for alerting us to this so that we can make the apology for any other listeners who may have been turned off by this um, and to our question asker as well, who might have been going, wait a second, why does it have to be one of the women in the group? Um, no, if, if this was a mixed group headed to the friend's house for the long weekend, by all means, any single member, regardless of their gender, could absolutely organize the group gift. Thanks, Lizzie. That's a very, that's a nicer <laughs> policy, and I understand the situation. You just have yeah. to you just have to to, yeah. to remind yourself you're human, and yeah. sometimes you get it wrong. We wanted to close our feedback segment this week with what I thought was some truly excellent feedback. Oh, it, good. It comes from Krista, who has advice about adoption etiquette. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I love the podcast and look forward to it each week. The show with Pooja was so fun. She is great. We think so, too. Yes, we do. <laughs> love Pooja. I wanted to add a perspective to new baby etiquette. We have built our family through both birth and adoption. Children who are adopted come home at various ages. It is great when a family's community embraces that new child and is excited for the family. Even if the child is older, there is still a period of adjustment for the family, so gifts of meals are totally welcome as it gives the parents extra time to focus on bonding. I would love for people to know that when a child comes home via adoption, the family is working on forming attachment at that time. While well-meaning friends and family may want to show the new child how excited they are about them, it is best to talk with the parents first. Many families choose for the parents to be the ones to do all the nurturing, feeding, bathing, cuddling, bedtime for the first several weeks or months to build trust with that child. Many families may take a break as well from regular activities to make those early weeks concentrated family time. It would be great if people would be aware of these circumstances before letting their excitement overwhelm a child who is adjusting to a whole new world. Thanks again for all that you do, Krista. I just love that, Bill. Yep, and thank you, Krista. You really raised some terrific points that I don't think a lot of people are aware of. I certainly wasn't aware to the depth of your question about about um, interacting with adoptive children. And um, 
it couldn't have been a better thing to bring up. Thanks so much. Excellent. Thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. So please keep them coming. You can send your comment or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. And now it's time for our postscript. Which I am so glad to have you here for because you are going to take us away today. So in the postscript segment, we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today's postscript is about traveling with other couples. Summer is a high time for travel and it's nice to go with friends. Right. You um, do this a lot. So yeah, I wanted uh, you to share with me your, your perspective. We do do a lot, in, including with Peter and Trisha. Yeah, my parents. And, and yeah. as, as you know, we went to Italy with Peter and Trisha and you a couple of years ago. Yes. This question is easier or harder to answer depending on how well you know the friends. But basically, there are some guidelines which I would suggest which will carry you through almost any situation. The first and most important is to be flexible. Yes. You absolutely are going to run into situations which are going to require flexibility from, let's say it's two couples traveling together, from both of the couples. Yeah. Secondly, plan the itinerary together so you're all on the same page as to where you're going and what you're going to do. Lots of issues will come up during that. It's fun to do, and you'll end up with a trip that both couples are going to enjoy more. But you really want to take time to do that and give people, like, I I know that when I was going to Italy with you all, mom kept asking me, what do you want to do? What are your checklists? items. What are your checklist items? But I was like, I don't know. Tell me what I should see. And sometimes you need to give people a little bit of time to look through some books, talk to some other people who have gone, look up some stuff online to figure out what they might want to even do. So planning, yeah, the, the well-planned but trip give it time is going to plan. Yep, you yeah. do. You, you well, and, and of course, in this day and age, you have to make your reservations so far oh. in advance. You're going to have a lot of time. But yeah, um, third, allow for the individual couples in within the group to do some things on their own, and don't be upset if the other couples want to do that. Yeah. So if one couple says, you know, we just like to go out to dinner by ourselves tonight, fine. Yeah. You don't do it all the time. You're traveling together because you're going to have fun. But it's perfectly okay for people to branch out on their own. Maybe some people have an interest in a particular kind of art or a particular museum that the others don't. We had some friends we were in Washington with, and uh, we had been to the Holocaust Museum. They hadn't, so they went to that, and we went to uh, one of my favorite little art museums in Washington. Oh, nice. Have you um, ever found anyone have trouble with that? Like, have you ever found someone put off when you say, hey, we'd really like to go to, no, I haven't. you know, but Rignana we, tonight or something like that? No, no, I haven't, but we discuss it in advance. I mean, we say, look, look, let's not worry about it if one of us wants to do something different during this trip. I love that language. I love pulling that up before you even make the ask to do something different. Absolutely. Next guideline is confirm how and by whom payment is to be made for items which are not paid for in advance, such as airline tickets and and hotels, but the things that come up during the trip, such as meals, shows, taxis, etc. As an example, some couples might want to split all the checks. Others might want to say, um, let's have separate checks. More often than not, it's split checks. And sometimes one person will put out more money for a guide, a skiing guide or something like that. Arrange in advance who's (laughs) going to pay for what. And as you point out to me, Lizzie, because you're much more into this kind of technology <laughs> than I am, there's all kinds of ways of keeping track of this and paying for it. Oh, there are. There are tons of um, money sharing apps nowadays where mm-hmm. you can set up apps so that you can transfer money between each other mm-hmm. so that at the end of the day, you could say, okay, the tickets for the museum were this much and the you know lunch was here, so I owe you 150 bucks for the day. Boom. And the money goes right to my dad or mm-hmm. you know whomever it is that you're traveling with. And 
Amazing. But what I like is that you can also make it clear by saying something like, I would like to treat the group to the ski guide for the day. And so you are taking that on. That's not, if you said it that way, I would not expect that at the end of the day, you're going to say, so the guide was $500 or the guide was $30. You were right the first time. Yeah, exactly. You make it clear whether you are treating the group or whether, you know, hey, I'll cover the bill. We can settle up later. And you use that language. But I also like the idea of plan ahead of time how you want to handle this. Is it going to be day by day you make a tally? I remember we did a trip with the Phillips family and it was that at the end of each day, my dad and his best friend would tally up what they had spent, pull out their receipts, and then they'd kind of make a note in a log of who was up 50 and who was down 25 and then by the end it all shook out yeah, and someone and, wrote a check. And that's how we've always done it okay, because we don't okay. use it. I love the idea of to look at that with an app. <laughs> like, <laughs> so I'm going to look for that app. So next, good point. Yeah, next good, piece of advice. Good next point. This next piece of advice applies more to traveling with people who you haven't done a lot of traveling with yet. And that is try to know what the other couple's tendencies are. For instance, what time do they like to eat? Do they like to eat early or or late? Um, Do they like to take a nap after lunch? I do. Yeah. I don't always get to, but I like to. (laughs) Do they? Uh, we have one friend who meditates every morning. Okay. We just know that that's going to happen, and we don't bother them between nine and nine thirty in the morning, and yeah. and it's just part of the trip. Uh, so if you know those tendencies, you're not going to be surprised by things, and not find yourself getting irritated by them either. It's nice to know other people's travel styles. Like my parents. Well, when that's they, sort of what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah. Yes. When they get to to a new time zone, they try very hard to just jump right into that time zone. If it's dinner and they think it feels like breakfast time, they go to dinner. And they don't they don't try to take a long nap after travel and then wake up at, you know, midnight wanting breakfast right. all of a sudden. And I do think kind of figuring out even like you were saying, someone's sleep schedule or how they process jet lag is a good thing. And finally, in a situation where you're staying at somebody's uh, uh, home, offer at the end of the week to make a contribution. Not not something you've tallied up or totaled, but just for the sort of the cost that you don't even see, for instance, the fuel for the boat, right. the crew on the boat. Right. That's a fixed cost. And right. I like to make a contribution to my host. In a, they in might a, turn you down even. They might say, please they don't try worry to about it. Down. We take care and, of it. And we don't get in a fight about it. And right. sometimes we, they'll say, look, you, that's too much. We'll t- how about this? In a situation where you're going to visit, say, for a weekend, a long weekend time, at somebody's yeah. summer house, it's very, very common is to invite the other couple, the host couple, out to dinner. Yeah, one, if you have the, the means to do it, yeah. If you had a lower budget, you might do something like offer to cook breakfast the next morning Absolutely. or something like that. Or you could offer to get groceries right. and cook them dinner one night. That way, right. if because I know not not everyone who hangs out together has the same budget, and so that's true. Point. You would never want to tax someone, and you're the the people with more means. I would hope that they would never want to try to push a couple or a friend who is visiting out of their comfort zone. I, I agree with you. Yeah, and, and that's a that's really a good point that I hadn't listed in, in a series of guidelines, which is. Where there is a disparity in the means, but you're friends and you like traveling together, the the couple that does have a lot of means shouldn't be pushing the other couple to do things that are too expensive for right, them. Right, exactly. Like eating too expensive in a restaurant or right. whatever like that. Absolutely good point, Lizzie. I like that. And finally, I'm going to repeat. Yes. Be flexible. If you're traveling with other people, you are going to be required to be flexible if you're going to enjoy the trip. Thank you so much for sharing that. You are such a world traveler, and you and Maureen have done so many adventures. Um, It's nice to hear about a lot of the the different ways that traveling with other couples, um, no matter the circumstances, can really go very smoothly and be so enjoyable. You're right, and we enjoy the traveling, and I enjoy talking about it. And since people must depend upon one another... 
They have built up ways through the ages of getting along together. As you know, we like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. And today's forum crosses the social media threshold. Hello, Lizzie and Dan and Bill. Thank you for the podcast. It's awesome. Winky face. For this nonconformist, you do a great job of explaining the why behind good etiquette, which inspires me to jump on board. I am all about consideration, respect, and honesty, and I love learning why. You inspire me every week to be a little more thoughtful. Isn't that nice? It really is. I can't tell you. It kind of makes you glad to go to work in the morning. It really does. Like, that keeps me coming back. I'm writing to give a shout out to my friend Priya. She is an amazingly thoughtful person, which she demonstrated last month. She lives about two hours away and happened to be in my neck of the woods, so we met up for brunch. As we were seated, Priya decided the occasion was worthy of a Facebook check-in. Rather than just check in and tag me in the post, she casually asked, Hey, do you mind if I check us in here? It seems like such a small thing, and maybe it wouldn't mean that much to someone else. But I really appreciated that she asked. I don't always like to post my whereabouts online and almost always hide from the camera. I really dislike being in photographs on social media. It was so refreshing that she paused before including me in her post. I think that privacy is important. You never know if someone has a good reason to minimize or strictly manage their online presence, whether it's just preference, personal safety, business reasons, etc. And I feel like this can slip some people's minds so easily. So thank you, Priya, for treating me to brunch and for asking about the Facebook check-in. Next time, brunch is on me. On a totally different note, thank you, Awesome Etiquette, for the Blue Apron ads. A different friend recently gifted me with some complimentary meals and I don't think I'd have taken her up on it without hearing your ads every week. I can't wait to give it a try. Well, my goodness, thank you for that. Because there, there you go, Lizzie. I worked. tell you, Blue Apron is always, you know, calculating how many people actually do Blue Apron through our yeah. commercials, and that's uh, how we that's keep terrific. them in there. And we need people like you saying things like this. So thank you for that. And I, I would just but like to Priya add is that th- this, uh, this request yes. and, uh, of asking the, other, the, the woman who was writing if she minded being on Facebook, that was terrific. Isn't that amazing? I mean, I would be really irritated if I was at lunch and somebody put us up on Facebook and without asking me if it was okay. Right, right. And I'm more old-fashioned about that kind of thing than most people because of my age, but it's still, this was terrific. Oh, I thought it was it was fantastic. Shannon Marie, thank you so much for sharing this. We truly appreciate it. And I am just so grateful that there are people like you and Priya out there in the world. Well, I'm here because I disagree. I think manners are important. So that takes us to the end of the show. Thank you all so much for listening. And thank you to everyone who sent us something. You can send us questions, comments, and salutes by email, awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. By phone, please leave us a message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, Daniel underscore Post. And I'm at Lizzie A. Post. On Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. And please help us out. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts from. And please consider leaving us a positive review. And as always, our show is edited by Chris Albertine. Thanks, Chris. 